Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 38 to 44. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. This is the warning that Martha gives Jesus when he walks up to the tomb where Lazarus is lying dead. Jewish tradition was that a person's spirit would hang around the body for three days. After the third day, the spirit would leave. If Jesus had raised Lazarus before day three, there still was hope. The spirit and the body were still there together. If Lazarus had been raised on the third day, some would claim that Jesus couldn't really raise the dead. He only revived Lazarus. Lazarus' spirit was still right there. Jesus can't raise people from the dead. That's impossible. But this story is not about day three. It's about day four. On day four, Lazarus is dead. No hope, no spirit still there. For Jesus to do something, he'd have to raise Lazarus literally from the dead, not just join the body and spirit back together. By day four, Lazarus is beyond hope, and the odor of death is strong. Martha says, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. We sitting here today are alive, at least physically, that's true. But there are parts of us that are dead. There are parts of us filled with sin and with separation from God, and those parts of us are dead. And those dead places in us, they find a way to creep into other places of our lives. Because a bad smell, well, that can't be contained. A bad smell seeps into everything around it. The stench of death in our lives, well, that affects every other part of our lives. And we all have dead things in us. For some, it may be an illness. An illness, a pain that grabs on and affects our mood, our ability to do what is normal. For some, it may be a lost relationship, differences that can't be reconciled, or death that has stolen someone we love. For some, it may be feelings of insufficiency, never making enough money, never having enough success, never knowing the right people. We carry parts of us that are dead, parts of us that are laying in tombs, parts of us where we need Jesus to give us life again. And that's why we preach, because we believe that a word from God can raise the dead.
It did for Lazarus, and it does for us. Micah and I have experienced this in our own lives. We have heard God speak and have had God's word raise parts of us from death to life. So today, we are telling parts of our stories, how Christ has raised us from the dead. Our stories of being dead and in tombs and having God speak to us and call us to life again. To do that, Micah and I will both be sharing parts of our stories, our testimonies, those places in our lives that were dead, those places in our lives where God has raised us to life again. My particular story begins my junior year of high school. Life was going well. I had joined a solid group of friends, found a transformative church community. Faith had come alive for me. I don't know how else to say that. And I was hungering more for God. School was going well. I loved my family. Life was going well. Everything was clicking. Then somehow things went off the tracks. It was like an uninvited guest stole into my life. It was like a giant vacuum that sucked out my energy, my joy, my excitement. I had no name for it then, but I know now that guest was named Depression. I struggled through it for a while, for several months, leaning on my family and trying to understand what had happened to me. All of a sudden, I didn't want to see my friends, I didn't want to study, I didn't want to go to church, I didn't want to do anything. I found myself in a tomb with no way out. And when the depression lifted, I tried to forget about it as quickly as possible. I tried to leave it behind and hoped it wouldn't come back, which was a nice hope. But it didn't work. A few years later, I was in England studying abroad. Life was going great again. I was excited to be there, excited by new friends, excited by new opportunities. And then I had another downward spiral. That same uninvited guest. I was once again in the tomb. Once again cast down. I felt dead trying to live my life, to love my family and friends, to care about what was going on around me, it felt like trying to breathe life into dry bones. I was dead. Spiritually, I was dead. My soul dried up. You see, this uninvited guest comes unannounced with no warning. and makes it hard to feel, to care, to look beyond myself and find hope. But something different happened that second time depression stormed into my life. In our Bible passage for today, Lazarus was dead and the stench of death had spread. You could smell it and his family was in mourning and Jesus mourned too. He wept over Lazarus' death. Jesus weeps over the death in our lives as well and that's good news. But he does something more. The second time my depression settled in, I started going to church compulsively. I don't know why, because a large part of me had given up on God's power to save me. The last time I had prayed and nothing had happened, but this time I went to church. And because the church was Anglican, they had services every day, and I went to church every day. I was the only person under 60 most days, and I prayed prayers that I didn't feel, and I sang songs that I didn't like, And I listened to sermons that I didn't understand, and I waited for God to change me. 
I expected God to change me, and then Jesus showed up. He called to Lazarus in his tomb, Lazarus, come out. And he called to me, Brian, come out. I wish I could say that meant God got rid of my depression, that somehow it's gone, but that's not what's happened. I wish I could say that God called to me and suddenly all the hopelessness and fear fell away, but there was no aha moment that left everything normal again for me. Depression continued to hang around, and it still does. But I did receive a word of hope. Depression had stolen my ability to rely on myself, but it had not stolen my ability to rely on God. It was while attending church every day that I began to realize that whether I was depressed or not, God was the same. God had not changed. Whether or not I could feel it, God was still enough. And I found a psalm, a psalm that got under my skin, Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for you shall again rejoice in him, my hope and my God. This word from God raised me from the dead. You have changed but I have not. God's word raised me from the dead. You have changed, but I have not. And even now, the proclamation of this word from God raises me to life again. God has not changed. God has not changed. God has still not changed. Preaching raises the dead. Three years ago, my mother flew out to Princeton Seminary to pick me up and take me home for the summer. The problem was that the term wasn't over yet. The problem was that I couldn't physically drive myself home. The problem was that I was sick, but I didn't know with what. Easter of that year, my body began trembling uncontrollably. It began aching all over. My head was spinning, and so I pulled the car over since I was driving when this hit me, and I immediately asked a friend next to me to drive me to the hospital. I left Easter evening with the assurance from every doctor that I was fine. Everything looked normal. Little did I know, this would be the beginning of six months of constant medical exams. I arrived back in Alabama for the summer, and the medical exams were relentless. Two, three, four exams a week, a cardiologist, a general physician, a psychotherapist, and no answers. I was sick, but all the exams said that I wasn't. Already there is a stench because he has been dead for days. I felt dead that summer, and that stench of death affected the rest of my life. I had an internship that I was working at in a church, but I had to lower my hours and back down on my responsibilities because of all of the pain. I saw friends very little, didn't really feel up to it, and I got frustrated with my family. Oh, did I get frustrated always on edge, feeling anxious, and having no answers. 
Six months after every test that the doctors could think of, I was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia. This is an illness that baffles doctors to this day. There's still lots of unknown about this thing, and there's a lot of questions about it. But the simplest way to put it is this. The body feels pain, excruciating pain, but the muscles are all intact. They're not deteriorating in any way. The brain simply receives bad signals from the rest of the body and says that there is pain there. It's a disconnect between the brain and the body. It's like a fog settles in. It settles on my body so that joints and muscles ache. They hurt for no reason at all. It settles on my brain. It slows down my thoughts, interrupts them with anxieties, with depressions, you name it. And then there's the constant pain, something you can't understand unless you live with it all the time. It wears on you until your edges fray, until you almost forget about it. But it's always there. This sickness, to be honest with you, leaves me dead sometimes. And the stench from that death creeps into other corners of my life. It threatens to take over. For a time, it did. For a time, I couldn't control it. It controlled me. It dictated my schedule, kept me from class, sent me home early, and sent me to countless doctors. Lazarus was dead. The stench of death had spread and his family was in mourning. Jesus mourned too. He wept over Lazarus' death and he weeps over the dead parts in us. But he does something more. He calls to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Just like he called to me, Micah, come out. I wish I could say that God called me out of fibromyalgia, that I was cured miraculously, but that's not what happened. I wish I could say that God called to me and suddenly all the frustration and all the disappointments fell away, but there was no aha moment that left everything normal again. Things in our lives don't just dissipate. Sicknesses don't just leave. Pain doesn't leave. They don't go anywhere. So how then can I claim that God has raised me to life? During the worst semester at Princeton, maybe the hardest months of my life, I would go into the basement of the music building. I would find a piano and play and play and play until my hands started to cramp. I would sing and sing and sing until my voice gave out, doing it over and over and over again, always singing the same song, the same song, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Until one day through that song, the Holy Spirit proclaimed back, it is well, it is well with your soul. This word from God raised me from the dead. And on days where fibromyalgia plagues my body and mind and tries to drag me back into that tomb, I find a piano and I proclaim to myself again, it is well, it is still well with your soul. Your life may be going well. Your children may be doing well. Your job may be great. Your spouse may be wonderful. 
But there's still that thing in you that's dead. And the smell is creeping. The stench can slip into every happy corner of our lives and it takes over. But God's word raises the dead. A resurrection that only Jesus can do. We cannot raise the dead. But God sends us out to call to people in his name. We call to sinners in his name. We call to the sick in his name. We call to the lonely, the poor, the imprisoned in his name. And we call to the dead places in our own lives in the name of Jesus Christ. We call, come out. And when we do, by the power of God, our proclamation raises the dead. I share my story Brian shares his, you share yours. And proclaim that Christ is risen, that death may have a place in our lives. Now its stench may take over for a time, but Christ is calling, come out. Day four is not here yet. We still live with death in our lives, but we remember that while our Savior died, his tomb is empty. We even come to this table to taste that truth. We can taste and remember that Christ died, but that Christ's tomb is empty. God raised him to life. We eat, we drink, and we remember that God's word made flesh calls us to life. One day our tombs will be completely empty too. But even now, right now, We can feel it in our lives, corners that were dead, things we thought would never heal. But God has spoken to us and brought us back to life. Day four is not here yet. We don't live on the other side of our resurrections, at least not complete resurrection. We still live with the stench of death that creeps into our lives. So we have to proclaim Again and again and again, Christ's power over our tombs, especially when the dead corners of our lives are trying to drag us back. Brian will keep proclaiming, God has not changed. I will keep proclaiming, it is well. And we will all keep proclaiming Christ's power over death. We will keep proclaiming. Because preaching raises the dead. We will keep proclaiming because we can hear Christ calling, come out. Come out. Let us pray. Lord, we do serve you, a God of life. And we know that you continue to call to each and every one of us, to our hearts and to our souls, to our families, to our community. You keep calling out to us, proclaiming your word to us, showing us how you can raise those things to life, showing us how you can give us hope when we have no hope, compassion when nobody else shows us compassion, and life in the parts of us that are dead. Might we proclaim our stories of how you have intervened in our lives and proclaim it over and over again, believing that you 
are a God of life. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.